0: Simple Minds are headed for the Rosen Theatre October 27th on the Walk Between Worlds Tour. The band celebrating 40 years creating iconic songs spanning their entire career. Today we chat with frontman Jim Kerr, who's embarked on a second career as a hotelier, opening the very delightful Hotel Villa Angola a decade ago in Sicily, Italy. Composer Nick Urata joins us today in the second half of the program. His band Dvojka plays the Wonder Ballroom this Friday. Nick's had a remarkable career, composing music for films such as Little Miss Sunshine and Netflix's A Series of Unfortunate Events. More to come in that regard, but first we catch up with Jim of Simple Minds in Scotland who was feeling quite sprightly when I called him last week. You're listening to pdxpodcast.com. I'm Gregory Day. Thanks for tuning in. Hi, Jim. Buongiorno.
1: Buongiorno. (laughs) Hello there. (laughs) How are you?
0: I am fantastic. Wow, you sound great. You sound really good.
1: Yeah, I've been uh, a few days hiking. I've had some nice fresh air in my lungs. Oh, that's that's
0: great to hear. I mean, I don't know what the weather's like right now in Italy. Are you in Italy right now?
1: Oh, I'm not in, in Italy. I'm due in Italy. I've got a few days next week. I'm actually in Scotland as we speak.
0: Oh, right, and, and you're at home, so that's wonderful.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: I was yeah, actually yeah. checking out your hotel last night. It looks beautiful, right by Mount Etna.
1: Yeah, it's, that's what it's all about—the view. It's a kind of it is an amazing place, just that part of the world, and uh, and that view. It's, uh, it's kind of cosmic actually, because. Really, from all over Sicily, dominated by the volcano, which is both ominous but also very much life-giving. Um, it's the whole place, Etna. All the ash from from Etna fertilizes, so they they grow everything there. All the best vegetables, all the best fruits, everything. So. It gives, but it can be a little bit broody at times as well.
0: Well, I was watching the video of the explosion recently, just a, what, what last week or this week. Uh, beautiful, absolutely gorgeous.
1: Well, it is beautiful, and uh, I mean, I don't want to speak too soon, but but the, it's been a long time since it's uh, caused any major major damage. But it does sometimes. Uh, in fact, I got to say, a few years ago, Simple Minds were playing. in in Sicily, and the backdrop, it was open air, and the backdrop, the night we played, Edna was spewing its stuff, and uh, it looked, you can imagine, imagine what that looked like. Uh, It was just sheer coincidence, of course, that uh, that's what I call pyrotechnics. Wow,
0: Wow. alive and kicking, I love it. I love it. Yeah, 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 cool. I actually heard uh, you... uh in an interview, and you were were speaking perfect Italian. I'm thinking you have an advantage because you're Scottish, you can roll those R's.
1: Well, certainly we can roll those R's in Scotland. We can can definitely do that. Um, I'm not sure about... uh, (laughs) It's funny because I've been putting a lot of pressure on my son, James, to learn Italian. He says, no, it's easy for you, you've got a musical ear. I said, well, listen. That cleaner that cleans your posh house in London must have a musical ear, because she's from the Philippines, and she's learned about four languages in two years. So, yeah. I don't know about, about that, but... Uh, yeah, no, it's only... It's, uh, it, it was a great thing for me to do, to go there some while ago, and indeed, to get into the language and to... To kind of discover a part of yourself that otherwise you didn't know or, or had been dormant or right. whatever and... Uh, yeah, I wish I had done more of that, that stuff. Gosh, I wish I'd picked up more languages.
0: You, you know, you're doing a tour diary on YouTube, which is very entertaining. Whose
1: idea was that? Was that Therese's idea? Well, it was Therese's idea. Um, Charisse, uh, that the younger generation of musicians, are, are um, they're not only interested in playing, they were brought up with social media and they were brought up with the, the whole idea of publicizing themselves and all that. So, um, yeah, in awesome. her case,
0: I'm having a lot of fun uh, watching what goes on behind the scenes and and you complaining about the rain I love it, I love every moment of Mm. it
1: (laughs) exactly well there's there's a good one coming up in a a couple of days time I think she puts one up, one a month or or one uh, quite extensive one a month and um, of course we will continue that through when we get to your neck of the woods we'll do some filming over there and uh, the main thing is as you say there, you know, people enjoy it and it, it gives something that uh, fans always like to see something a little different.
0: You know, there's great energy on this album, great energy. And songs like Silent Kiss, uh, Signal and the Noise, Utopia, nice callback to Alive and Kicking too. I really appreciated that. It's a great follow-up to Big Music. That was an important album for you, right?
1: Well, it was. I mean, first of all, thank you. I'm delighted to 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 hear that you're sensing all those things from the new music, which uh, which which means we probably hit the target in terms of what we were hoping to do with both albums. But I think uh, the momentum leading on from big music. Um, Really propelled us into uh the more recent walk between worlds, but um when I say the the hit hit the target, well, what was the target? what is uh, the target we right. we a- apart from the target always being the same thing where you want great melodies and you want hopefully great songs and you want interesting lyrics we wanted to kind of hit this sweet spot where we were, you know, calling up the ghosts from the past. I say that rather than doing some kind of... Um, some kind of uh, retro-parody thing, which is, uh, what's the difference? What's uh, the difference? I, we really we wanted to evoke that, that classic Simple Mind sounds, but at the same time, it had to sound contemporary. It had to sound vital now. It had to sound that it was... That is was as much now as is as it was back then and and that all sounds great, you know that's great to talk about, but how do you do it because in one hand, it's a bit of a contradiction because then is then is not now, it was two decades ago for' talking about that peak sound and the sound that a lot of people. think of when they think of Simple Minds and so so how do you do that because the the world has changed since then we have changed, technology has changed everything has changed and yet somehow I think we managed to do it and and, um, I mean part of that is uh, part of that is out with us part of, of that is the fact that I think a lot of newer artists younger artists have been drawing on not drawing on some of the sounds from uh, our genre back then so in a way some of those old sounds have become contemporized out with of us and so that 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 kind of created that created the opportunity perhaps and um but just outside of that the fact that whereas the band didn't do much in the 90s and 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 in fact were almost flatlining it almost came to an end but once we decided to go at it again and to make it the most important thing in our lives well that 's what the recent years have been about, and that 's what 's led to these last uh, most recent albums
0: right. It circled around um, i'm curious yeah. uh, to hear your thoughts on uh, the lyrical content of the signal and the noise. That one really spoke to me specifically
1: yeah I was i mean I was, people have asked about that we open with it and and it sounds like i can't i can 't make out my mind if i 'm proclaiming or Pontificating, probably both, but the person I'm talking to is myself. I should explain, of course, it's an issue we all think about that um, technology and how we live our digital lives now uh, is somewhat alienated. There's a chance that it's alienated us in some way from how we used to be, how we used to communicate. Um, and I, I wouldn't say the word guilty, but I lead that coexistence as well. In fact, the first thing I said to you there when you called, I said, I've been out hiking. Uh, I I use these opportunities. If I'm like anyone else, if I'm not, if I'm working in the studio or I'm working, when it comes to the weekend, I make myself sort of... um, I I get out away from the technology and I get into that place where <laughs> your senses start to feel real again and kind of that's what that's what that song's about you know take off the headphones take off the glasses communicate get out there somewhere out there among the heavens and the atmosphere well that's what i felt last night when i was looking at the stars and, in uh, the scottish highlands and um, uh, and the, so so the song is kind of about that Shall we call it bipolar world? And and uh, um, yes. yeah, that's that's kind of what it's about.
0: Oh well, we can all we can all understand that because I mean that that's really uh, what we're all dealing with on a daily basis. You recently did a New York radio station interview. Uh, which you talked about meeting John Hughes, and he showed you a rough cut of the Breakfast Club. I'm curious how that meeting went. I mean, obviously he convinced you to do the title song, so it must have gone
1: well. Well, actually, in a, in a nutshell, that that was the end result. John Hughes was—he uh, was—he struck us as a lovely man. I mean, we knew little about him because, we, although there had been movies before *The Breakfast Club*, we didn't know them. They hadn't really made much of a dent in the UK, so, so we didn't really know what John's thing was. But we knew. Uh, uh, he was such a fan of music, actually, and he was such a fan of particularly, although those movies are very much American movies, Chicago-based, he was such a fan of the music that was coming out of the UK, anyway, at that, that point. And um, so between him and Keith Forsey, who wrote the, wrote the song and who had already been brought in, it was, they were cool guys. I mean, it wasn't even that they came, came over and their enthusiasm for us did flatter, but they were just cool people and it made you want to, uh, it made you want to. In our case, we'd been a little bit cynical. We were young, we were. I don't know if we were if we were brattish, but we we were a bit wary of doing anyone else's song. We thought, hang on a minute, we do our own songs. What's wrong w- with our songs? And. Uh we were a little bit anti. Um, well, that's the age, day, really.
0: Yeah. I mean, at, at that age, I mean, that's expected. It's funny. It's funny to hear that you thought he was cool. It's because he, he captured the teenage angst in a way that nobody had up until that point. He treated teenagers like adults.
1: Well, you know, the proofs and the pudding, because that movie, his movies, um, decades later, they still get picked out as being... Um, you know kind of ultimate uh, misunderstood teen movies uh, um it's always there it's sort of um crossed over generations i mean at that breakfast club as soon as they hear that thing as soon as they see uh, that image of judd nelson with his hand at the air even this generation go yeah because um it's still all about the same tribes, really, isn't it? It's still the goth, and it's still the jock, and it's still the nerd, and, and so even the young generations can somewhat, uh, I guess, relate to it.
0: Have you heard Molly Ringwald's version of "Don't You Forget About Me"? You must have. Yeah, I did. Yeah, it was sweet. That's great. Now you're a dad. You've got a a daughter and a son. Are they big Simple Minds fans?
1: Well, not only that, I'm a I'm a granddad. (laughs) So my 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 two grandsons were at the gig at the weekend. Um, Fans, yeah, my. My my daughter's a lot more open about it than my son. my son doesn't say much, but my you know my i i think they're proud of, they're they're proud of it they know they realize as they get older the work and the effort involved and um and I think they really appreciate that and um yeah they're they're in their own way i think they they they, they, they love to see the effect that the music's had on people. It's made a lot of people happy. It's, they know that we've worked hard. It's given us this life. So, uh, yeah. But I, do they listen to the music every day? Probably not.
0: <laughs> well, you know, you're still in the game. You're still relevant. I think it comes full circle. Back from when you started with Johnny and the Self-Abusers back in the 70s, I was listening to some of that music and it sounds like modern punk. It sounds like it could have come out yesterday.
1: Well, it's funny you should say that, because my drive-in, I, I just got back to the house half an hour ago, and we passed. <laughs> this is what I am like an old soldier. Every time we pass it, I say to my partner, Oh, that's what Johnny and the self-abusers played their the first gig, and she's like, You've told me a hundred times. And I'm like, Yeah, well, whatever. Uh, uh, um, and it, it <laughs> I mean... You know, in on one hand, just that name alone would imply that that we weren't taking things serious, and yet, I maintain, had we not had that thing, because it only lasted for six months prior to Simple Maze, but had it not came along, I see it as the catalyst, because the sort of madness of it, the mayhem of it, uh, uh, oh, of uh, the energy catapult us into doing it whereas as we all know there's a lot of people sit around wanting to do something but never really getting round to it life takes over or, I mean how many English how, how many English teachers have got a script under the bed uh, unpublished or you know when it comes to it you're a little scared or you're a little doubtful or all that stuff comes into play, and you end up going, well, you know, next year I'll get it better next year, and then the years pass, and you don't get get rounded. Well, joining the self-abusers, I I think this happened. I could have imagined it. The first night we played, and you know, we lucked out because normally when a band plays his first gig, there's three men and a dog there, but in our case, because it was right in the sort of eye of the hurricane, punk was the thing, and. Glasgow just wanted anything that reeked of punk, and we were there. And before we went on stage, the place was packed. People were jumping up and down. And we, I mean, we were terrible, but it didn't matter. They just wanted a touch of that stuff. And uh, it—I didn't—I I know that from the first gig, right. we thought, Jesus, wouldn't this be great if you could re- really do this thing seriously? And and. Um, uh, suddenly, it became um, okay. Well, let's. How 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 are we going to do this for real? And we spent about six months trying to figure that out. And when we eventually did, we decided to wave goodbye to Johnny and the Self Abusers and and begin Simple Minds.
0: Right. I I love that how you mentioned Johnny and the Self Abusers in almost every interview. I love that. You're very proud.
1: Yeah, I see. It is. Uh, I really, well, first of all, it was a, it was a great summer of madness. I mean, it, so many things in our lives. There's been so much happenstance. I mean, if if that punk thing hadn't came along, I mean that. And not just in music. Suddenly, kids were writing fanzines. Suddenly, kids were starting fashion labels. Suddenly, kids were making little documentaries. documentaries yes. about it borrowing their dad's cam, it felt like, yeah, the lunatics had the keys of the asylum, and and it it
0: wasn't,
1: yeah, it wasn't so much that, it wasn't much that anyone could do it, in, in terms of doing great stuff, but it meant suddenly everyone, or many people believed, why not take the chance? And, and, and that that led to you know that led to a lot of imagination over the next few years.
0: I hate to go back to Don't You Forget About Me because, you know, you have this huge back catalogue. You get so much attention about that song, but uh, it really, it really is so important. I was listening to that interview with the radio station. You mentioned that you were going to write lyrics for the end of the song where where you're just humming along. You're like, la 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 la. But you were going to write lyrics. I'm curious, like, you know, what you would have written. You ever think about that?
1: That's, um, I'd love to tell you, you know, I'd love to tell you that I'd work something out. I mean, I, who knows? Um, um, who, who, who knows? But the fact, as soon as I said to him, great, I've got the night to work on the, the lyrics, he, he, he looked at me and he said, well, I can say it to you because we're not on radio. He said, what fucking lyrics? And, and, and I said, the thing at the end, and he said, over my dead body, um. Um. that's done that's done <laughs> and, and um, yeah well hey you know the Beatles didn't do so bad with Hey Jude and uh, David Bowie with Starman and uh, right. Sting did it on about 5 of those police songs <laughs> where it was yeah 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 B V V whatever it fucking was and and uh the great thing is that stuff's international. It it it's gone back to your opening question. It, that you know, when the other night they were singing it at the gig, and I said they were singing La, La La. I said that's great. Now sing it to me in French. So of course it works in French. Same old thing works in Italian. When you get to Japanese, you have a few problems, but we won't go into that. And, and uh, um, but yeah, listen. Sometimes. That's freak stuff. Sometimes it's just meant to be.
0: Thank you, Jim. What a great sport he was. Now we're going to switch gears some and chat with Nick Urata of Devochka. Make sure to catch the show tonight in Portland. Let's connect with Nick right now. Hello, hello.
2: Hey, you.
0: Can you hear me? <laughs>
2: I can hear you. I'm going to loop you in with Nick in just a second. Is there anything I should know
0: before I put him on the line? Uh, no, I have a couple pages of notes. Uh, you sound really good. I'm doing a sound check right now. Everything awesome. is, is set up. We're good to go. Uh-huh. We're going to ask him about his album. And uh, Jeff Buckley, Go go. I mean, we Ooh, got lots got lots to cover.
2: All right. I'm excited. I'm going to bring him on right now. Oh,
0: fantastic. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs>
2: All right. Nick and Greg, do I have you both? Yes. I am going to go on mute and let you do your thing, but um, I'm here if you need me. Okay.
0: okay thanks. thanks so much. <laughs> thanks so much for yeah. setting this up. And hello, Nick. How are you? Good. How are you? Fantastic. Yeah, am I am I reaching you in L.A. right now? You're in
2: L.A.? Right now, I'm currently in Colorado.
0: In Colorado, right while you're back home.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I, in- I,
0: I, I'm really enjoying your album. It's a really, really strong album, Empty Vessels. I got a bit of the cure from that song.
2: Oh, good. I must be channeling my youth.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you had some dark days Thanks, uh- in your youth?
2: Yeah, well I, well, I think they're the perfect band for that sort of awkward time between teenhood and adulthood. Right, um, absolutely. I, I know a lot, and I just remember having those cassettes on Auto Rewind over and over and over again, and they really <laughs> helped me through. And they, they kind of opened my door, and I think they opened a lot of people's world uh, doors to just like a whole new world of, right. you know, dark, uh, uh, like a fun way of dealing with the darkness, you know what I mean? Right, right. And I think that definitely stayed with me, and I definitely attracted bandmates who have the same sort of Definitely got that vibe. MO. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, I've wore out a, a few of those uh, Cure cassettes myself, my goodness, that brings back so many memories. You got involved with, with making movie soundtracks because Gogo Bordello passed on some of your music to the producers of Everything is Illuminated, and that's how it began for you.
2: Yeah, that was the first one. I was hooked after that. I don't know if you ever saw that. They put us in the trailer for that movie, and the trailer right. is, is beautiful. It's, it's a beautiful little piece, and uh, yeah, I'll never forget that. That was, that was amazing to see that. And I was sitting in the theater, and I wasn't sure... If it was even going to happen, and there it was, <laughs> it was been one of the greatest surprises uh, well, to experience as well, a young musician. It, directors of Little Miss Sunshine heard us on the local radio station in L.A., and uh, it turns out that they were. Uh, was they that, were Jonathan, was that Jonathan? Was that
0: Jonathan Dayton? I'm sorry to interrupt. that. was that Jonathan Dayton.
2: Yes. Yes. Yeah, Jonathan so. Dayton and Harris. Yeah, they were. They were listening to. You, um, Weekend becomes eclectic, <laughs> <laughs> which has one, become one of my favorite shows. And, uh, and the DJ played one of our tracks, and uh, and it sparked something that reminded them of the film, and uh, and they call and they they uh, start to call us, and the rest is
0: Isn't that incredible? History. You're forever going to be yeah. left with that yellow van.
2: Yeah, I'm. Uh, <laughs> I know, <laughs> and it's. All
0: right, with me. Now, you also worked on, on one of my favorite movies ever, Crazy Stupid Love. You know, the Steve Carell oh, scene at the bar when he's complaining that she cuckolded me, it's, it's probably one of my favorite scenes in cinema of all time. <laughs> To be a part of that. That's wonderful. You played with Jeff Buckley in a, a tiny little venue in New Jersey. Yeah. Boy, boy, you know, he was not... I remember when he died. Um, he wasn't on the scene for very long, beautiful voice turned you on to Leonard Cohen, and that led you in a completely different direction.
2: It really did, yeah. Yes. You see someone, the astounding thing was, I don't know if you ever saw him perform. But, Jeff um, Buckley? Yeah.
0: No, I didn't. It was, I mean, just that one album. And... Yeah, and
2: we were both also very similar. Like, he came up as a guitar shredder, which um, I okay. was in the middle of pursuing when I met him, and... Um, and so there was this desire at that time to just make everything louder and bigger and distorted. And, yes. And me, That's the 90s. I, and, uh, Yeah, it was the 90s, and everything had to be really gigantic and distorted. And then I saw him play with a, a guitar with no pedals or anything and a mm-hmm. microphone, and it right. was the most powerful thing I'd yes. ever seen. So like I said earlier, it, it made me do a complete 180. Right.
0: He just completely and I later found out
2: Yeah, I, I later found out that um, that he really didn't wasn't really into singing. Didn't really want to be a singer. He wanted to be a guitar player. And then just sort of um, after his really? when he started writing songs. Yeah, yeah, he was originally um, just a side man, right. and so I share share that sort of background with him too. So.
0: Yeah, it's strange because he has such a sweet voice and i remember all the girls were really upset when he died he was kind of a sex symbol remember that yeah i'm feeling old right now yeah
2: <laughs> oh i know i remember that too it was really-
0: I- i'm digging into old interviews now um you talked about what was on your iTunes player Uh, this was from 2011 uh, from way actually I think it's even earlier than that Uh, you were talking about uh, Senior Coconut (laughs) I was listening to his catalogue very funny very funny apparently he's a German who lived in Chile he's worked with Depeche Mode he's worked with uh, I mean some big players in the electronic music scene but he's He's really a unique character. Thank you for turning me on to him.
2: Yeah, he's amazing. I think that's a great example of what happens when two totally um, opposite worlds collide and, right. and the result can be, you know, just oh, lovely and hilarious.
0: <laughs> right, right. Your grandfather was was a musician, and you were raised on Dean Martin of all people.
2: <laughs> well, he was one of the one of the records that loomed large in our collection. Right. Yeah, I think there was sort of a great reverence for that elegant age of Martin and Lewis, and then all those those beautiful records. Yes. He made afterwards, it sort of captured. The, I don't know if that age ever existed, but it sure is nice to I
0: thought, you know. <laughs> Well, no, that's how I would characterize a lot of your work, as elegant. It's a great word. Your soundtrack work also, really magnificent. Uh, Written in stars from the I Love You Philip Morris soundtrack. It's it's a very simple arrangement. That song in particular stands out. Uh, Was it a fragment of a song that you wrote for DeVochco? Was it written specifically for
2: the film? Yeah, that was definitely inspired by, that was the first piece I had to write for the film, and I was I was really swept away by Ian McGregor and Jim Carrey's performance in that, you know, I got to watch it over and over again in that that situation when we were scoring it. And I I was, I just got so engulfed in that romance and that phone call just sort of, you know, set it all, kind of just drew it out of me. So in that case, it was like the purest form of, of film scoring that you can get to that's really where you want to be, where it's just sort of the performances and the characters are drawing it out of you. Mm-hmm. That was a sweet spot that, you know, it's kind of rare. That was one of my first solo film scores, so I didn't mm. realize it was a, uh, such a rarity at the time, but right. I was really, really, really proud of, to be a part of that
0: film. It's, it. it's very touching. It's a very moving arrangement, and again, very simple. Also, the love theme from Focus, another... Uh, Romantic tune—that seems to be uh, your strong point.
2: Oh well, I hope so. Yeah, that's nice. I think that's why, yeah, uh, why I got the gig. You know, but, you know, it's funny. I remember uh, um, Crazy Stupid Love. What year did that come out? It's been a while. But I remember there was um a, a backlash on that because it was a gay life love story. it was, you know, there was some trepidation. Different era now.
0: Yeah, and it was not too
2: long ago.
0: No, it wasn't. And like you know, the French picked up on it.
2: Yeah, yeah, it
0: was. Number one in France for yeah. two weeks. There you go.
2: Yeah. See, like many other uh, aspects of life, the French are, are ahead of us.
0: They're ahead of us. <laughs> No, it was really interesting. You said in another interview too that um, writing music for uh, for film makes you, you know, you, it's changed your work ethic. You have to write almost every day, and that opens up different pathways for you, different creative pathways. And you're working with other people, and I, I think it's made Davatchka a better band. Do you think so? It must must have been.
2: I mean, oh yeah. What are your thoughts on that? I hope. So. I I definitely think so and i i hope it comes through and I, and i think it does this album i was hoping this album would be a testament to that that um collision of worlds and right right um and so yeah it it's made me uh a better musician and, and um and it's made our our band better
0: right. it ends in a very it ends like a movie this this album and I'm sure a lot of that has to do with uh, it being mixed by Jason LaRocca, who you've worked with before. And I, I believe you're working with him ag- again um, on another project. Now, I know you're working on a, a new documentary with Davy Rothbard. Sounds very yes. intriguing. Boyhood meets boys in the hood. I'm very curious uh-huh. to, to, to uh, learn more about this project. Is this going to be a Netflix release?
2: Um, it's called Seventeen Blocks. I don't know if I made the uh, title clear.
0: No, Seventeen um, Blocks.
2: Yeah, and that is in reference to the fact that these boys grew up 17 blocks from Capitol Hill. Not what you would expect to be so close right. to Capitol. But, but yeah, it's, it's an amazing project. I don't know if you know much about Davey, but he's a cosmic storyteller. And, um, I don't. He uh, He's... He was one of the creators of Found Magazine. Um, oh, really? Of, I don't know if you know of that. Yes, I do. Check it out. It was, yeah, it was, a pretty amazing little thing where they had an entire magazine based on what people would send them in the mail. Yes. And the stuff that they would find.
0: Intriguing.
2: And it was, it's incredible. It's still, still a lot of fun to look at that So he found his family, I think, 22 years ago, and was so um, taken with them that he gave the 9-year-old boy, Emmanuel, a, a video camera to start recording his, his day-to-day life. And right. he, followed, he followed his family over uh, a couple of decades. And, For a decade? And we're now putting it Oh, um, my goodness. So I don't, yeah, I think it's, it's, yeah, it's been, I think, 20 years now.
0: Now I want to ask you about uh, touring with the Dresden Dolls back in the day. Now Amanda Palmer's moved on to TED Talks. She's she's married to uh, Neil Gaiman now. Have you kept in touch with the Dresden Dolls?
2: Yeah, yeah, we were, we uh, Amanda came out and played with us. We did a concert at Red Rocks with our Symphony record and we had Amanda come out and and play with us on that show a few years ago. Oh. And we always see uh, we we kept in touch with Brian. It, Big <laughs> owned anyway yeah we, we snipped in touch with them and that was just a, an amazing tour because we were a relatively unknown band and right. they were certainly the perfect sort of crowd of, of listeners to put up front of them. so yeah, yes on
0: you've been very successful and w- with film soundtracks as well as your band uh, you live you do a lot of work in LA now you f- you recorded this last album in Hollywood, do people tease you a bit? Do they call you Nick Hollywood now?
2: <laughs> yeah, um, well, I get some of that, yeah. But if they, if you saw what I was wearing right now, you certainly wouldn't suspect that I come from anywhere near Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> I like to dress down, right? Um, well, you're Italian.
0: But, I mean, you know, you got that uh, Italian sense of style, right? I mean, exactly. I, yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah.
2: I just try to. Um, I'm sensitive to that, though. <laughs> you are. Oh. Not the not the Italian part, the uh, the Hollywood part.
0: Right. Oh, okay. Remember, right.
2: Never forget where I came from.
0: Yes. Well, I love to hear that. Great humility. Uh, by the way, I really loved your interview with the kids too. You you posted that. Uh, or somebody posted that on YouTube. Uh, that was really fun. And I'm looking forward to your show in Portland the 21st at the Wonder Ballroom. Looking forward oh, to yeah. it. I don't, I don't know if you're familiar with Portland, that familiar with Portland, but uh, you'll be a big hit here.
2: Yes, we are. We, uh, you know, Portland was one of the first towns to embrace us when we started traveling in our little van. So we always had a special place in our heart for Portland. Oh, you that. guys also are. are
0: Way ahead of the curve. Like. Yes, <laughs> Gogol's uh, big, big and huge here too, and and Dvozka definitely uh, is is a favorite of mine. Thank you so much, Nick. I really appreciate it. Oh, so nice to talk
2: to you, and hopefully we will see each other. We'll see you in Portland.
0: Oh yes, absolutely. Thanks so much.
2: All right, take care. Cheers.
0: Bye. <laughs> Bye. Okay. Hello. 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 We're done. Okay. Thank you very much.
2: Thank you so much.
0: Yeah, it was fun. Thanks for that sending this awesome. up.
2: I really loved that. <laughs> he's you a guys f- had great chemistry. He's
0: a fun guy. I he got really that is. sense from, uh, I mean, just watching interviews with him.
2: Absolutely. I, he's just so personable. And yes. I was nervous meeting him the first time, but he just has such a warm presence, and warm. I hope you guys get to meet in, um, in Portland in real life and, and shake hands.
0: Yes, warm is, is the word I, I would use. Uh, yeah, that interview with the kids, that was just great. I mean, it wasn't substantive at all, but he just came across so well.
2: Yeah, I, I really love that. I can't wait to uh, to check out the podcast and share it all around
0: okay um yeah I'll, I'll post it uh before the show and uh Perfect. yeah looking forward to it thanks so much and you know i learned a lot about senior coconut from doing research <laughs> for this that guy's crazy that guy is nuts i love it check him out yeah that's
1: that's what i'm gonna be doing i, I made a note while i was you know <laughs> dropping in the interview i was like oh that sounds
2: totally up my alley so um uh, yeah, so, crazy, yeah, crazy. learn something new every day. It's
0: true, it's true. Thanks so much. I appreciate you setting this up again, and we'll post soon. Cheers. Okay. Thank Thanks, you. Greg. All right. Cheers. Bye. Today's show was produced and edited by Gregory Day. That's me. If you'd like to contact me directly, you can reach me at Greg at pdxpodcast.com. We'll be back next week. See
2: you then.